This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Okay, welcome back to Sportsbook, and it is our 50th episode. And so it's only fitting, especially the week after the PGA Championship wrapped up, the final major of the summer, that we bring back golf guy and recurring guest, Miles Udland. Hey, Miles. Hello. And we have a special guest joining us today to talk about the golf business, the return of Tiger, thrilling as it has been, and maybe a little bit of Brooks Kepka. I hope not too much. From the No Laying Up podcast, it's Chris Solomon. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, let's get right into it. You know, Miles and I have been talking about Tiger all summer and talking about golf, and we've been turning this into a golf podcast, although typically it's sort of macro sports business. But uh, we love this stuff and geeking out about it. Uh, love the podcast. And let's get into kind of the return of Tiger. I mean, most people who follow this stuff, it's he's here, he's back, there's nothing to argue with. But I'll just say quickly, it's strange the volume of comments we get still when I cover Tiger on Yahoo Finance from, I guess you would just call them haters, but I feel like there should be some more specific term for these people. But, but here's one. I wrote about the ratings bump this week, uh, just the obvious ratings bump uh, when Tiger is in contention on the Sunday of a major. And someone commented, fake news. The guy is washed up, but sure, keep pumping him. Who won the tournament? <laughs> it's like, I don't even know what to say to these people, but uh, just give us your take on sort of the return of Tiger, what it means for the sport. Uh, he's fully back. Can he win another major? Well, uh, the comment there, I actually kind of agree with the very last half of it, the, the, the uh, emailer that said, who won the tournament? Because right. that, that is kind of a rhetorical question in that it doesn't really matter. I mean, when, when right. Tiger is back, he is a vacuum that just kind of sucks up all of the other energy around the rest of the game of golf. And when, during Tiger's time away, the game actually grew quite a bit. We had some young stars emerge, and it was kind of before he really went away, but that Roy McIlroy won four majors in the span of four years. And then Jordan Spieth came along and... In 2015, he won his first major, and he's since won three since then. So we've had plenty of kind of young and up-and-coming guys to root for. But, man, once he comes back, it kind of makes all of the rest of that just seem irrelevant, even to the most hardcore of golf fans. And as much as the golf world is freaking out about him being back and, you know, the casual fan is trickling back into it, in the overall sports world, I don't think we're making a big enough deal out of and putting fully into perspective what this comeback is, how unlikely this was. And how ridiculous it is not just to see him back healthy, standing, and swinging golf clubs, but almost performing at the very, very, very top of the game of golf in what is maybe the deepest era of talent ever. I think if this is mid-2000s, that performance he threw up yeah, this past weekend at the PGA Championship, he probably wins. I almost, I would definitely right. bet that he wins. And this, he just came back, played near flawless golf, and still wasn't quite good enough. That tells a lot of the story and that the game has changed a lot in the last decade or so and also just this this comeback it's just so easy to forget that the guy couldn't get out of bed he had said to people that he was never going to play again and that uh it just didn't this wasn't in the cards at all the guy was toast and to have him back performing at this level is beyond anybody's reasonable expectations the way that tiger overshadows all the other guys and he absolutely does i agree i mean I don't think the average person has any awareness of Brooks Kepka, even though he's he won two of the majors this summer. People who aren't huge golf fans, I, I would argue, don't care. All that matters is Tiger. Is that automatically a bad thing for the sport? 
Uh, for the growth of it, yeah. I mean, it is kind of this whole bubble that exists and so many jobs. I mean, just think about all the people that have made a living off of Tiger's ability to play golf. Uh, think about, and I, about four years ago, one of my partners, Big Randy, did a study, uh, a very amateur economic study, I will admit, on kind of trying to estimate how much money Tiger has put in the pockets of other PGA Tour players. And the, the conservative estimate is somewhere around $1.2 billion. And so the boom is just incredible, but what? how sustainable is it? What happens when he's gone? Those are all questions that we don't really want to ask right now because we're just enjoying this ride again that we never thought we'd get. Um, so is it good? I don't know. But right now, it's the best possible story, I think. I mean, if he plays five more years of healthy golf, I think there is a chance that he could actually give 18 majors a run, which I could not have possibly even said even a year ago at this time. Yeah, Sally, I'm watching on Sunday, and I just I find myself like sweating the whole time watching him play. And I think part of that goes to the, the idea, at least for me, that with the back, with it being fused and like – just, you know, the swing speed and the ball speed, the club head speed that he's generating, it's like, it's it's really incredible. And I just feel like it can't last. Like, I'm, I'm, I need him to win now because I just am sure that in two years it's all going to blow up. And then it feels like we're back to convincing ourselves that Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler are, like, actually marketable players when, you know, frankly, they're, they're not compared to Tiger. So, I mean, you know, we say, like, we don't want to, consider a future without tiger but i do wonder if we're like just inevitable like putting off an inevitable future for for golf especially with um you know i think cbs's negotiations up in 2021 and nbc's up uh in a couple years and it feels like we this is a better time than uh you know a couple years ago to to reckon with what is the future of the sport professionally at least yeah and it's a question that i mean (laughs) He's done so much to grow it, and we know that. How sustainable it is is a question that no one wants to answer. And as much as we want to convince ourselves that, you know, the game has grown and, you know, there's still a ton of money in golf that is not going to necessarily go away with Tiger, like when Tiger retires or when he steps away. Mm-hmm. And, and fortunate for golf, I mean, the golfers' careers just last almost forever. I mean, almost until they uh, ceremoniously drag themselves away from these major tournaments. So, um, as much as, you know, I, I'm banking, I've based my career off of the, the money in golf and the, <laughs> the, the sustainability of the game. So I'm hoping that it remains that way. And as much as we want to convince ourselves that it's grown, I mean, the, the, the ratings you mentioned earlier and just the numbers we see on our side, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, it's the most, you could just do an ad lib every Monday after a major that Tiger's in contention. It's like ratings are up so-and-so percent compared highest since insert last time tiger competed and then Mm -hmm. finish it off with like tiger doesn't move the needle tiger is the needle you could say it every monday after he's in a major and man it's it's like clockwork and it's a cyclical thing and that the more people write about him the more feedback you get about it both positive and negative and it's just it just has spiraled into this thing where i think we're all just pulling for him and he's succeeding that's the thing is it was such a joyous day on Sunday. Even though he didn't win, he shot 64. He could have shot 62, yeah. and it might not have been good enough. Like that's just what's crazy about it. But man, it's been it's one hell of a ride. And as a golf fan, I'm I'm here for this. I mean, he basically, you know, between the bunker shot, I guess, on nine at the British, and then the shot from also on nine from you know like the 
cart path, basically. It's like those two shots alone sort of make the whole year worth it, right? Like those were vintage Tiger getting out of trouble with the recoil. And it's like that's, that's the whole point of basically, you know, wanting him to, to come back. Man, that shot that he hit on the third hole, tee shot par three, I swear to you, either oh, PJ of America in. or CBS yeah. or somebody is piping in that crowd noise because I've never heard a roar like that from at least on like on TV or again like a highlight. <laughs> they put it on Twitter, and I'm I'm not joking. I've watched that 40 plus times. I mean, I just keep rewinding <laughs> to when it lands, and that crowd just echoes. And I talked a little bit to Justin Thomas, who was obviously out there and very much in contention, and. He talked about how when he was lining up his uh, second shot at the 11th hole after he went way left in the crowd, they posted Tiger's birdie, uh, one of the Tiger's birdies that he made ahead or behind, I forget where he was, and he had to back off his shot. They posted on that hole, and the crowd went nuts. Mm-hmm. And yet he tells the story almost as if he's excited about it. Like, how cool is that to have Tiger back? This is nuts. And he's trying to beat him out there. That's what makes this whole thing so amazing is how much the other, the other players out there are enjoying it. And I talked to uh, played golf with Julian Surrey a couple weeks ago, who made the cut uh, at the uh, at the weekend at Carnoustie at the Open. And the first thing he talked about, man, that was just like making the cut in a major. And he's like, man, being out there with Tiger out there making this run, that was nuts. And it's yeah, just, want, it's everything. I wonder how that relationship between, um, I mean, maybe it won't. You know, he was a vice captain last Ryder Cup, but I wonder how the relationship between him and the younger guys is going to change, if at all when he's on the Ryder Cup team because he was like an abstraction, you know, basically to JT and and to Spieth to a large extent as a professional when those guys were coming up. But now, like, it's a real thing. And Kepka talked about that uh, in his press conference on Sunday. Like, you know, he thought it was pretty cool. He thought it was cool playing with Adam Scott, who's only 10 years older than he is. But uh, I do wonder if the relationship between the young guys and Tiger will change after they see him in a Ryder Cup setting and uh, or maybe it won't, you know, because he's been so much more smiley and, you know, lovey dovey on the course. He's talking to players during rounds, which he never did uh, 10, 15 years ago. Well, it's interesting that guys in in JT and Kepka's age group kind of have grown up obviously watching him on TV and Tiger's part of the reason they probably got into golf. But they've not had a career or a decade worth of losing to Tiger, like being yeah. beaten by him and yeah. had their goals, you know, come up short on their goals because of a guy the same way that Ernie Els and Phil Mickelson and Sergio have had over such a long period of time. So it's kind of a in, in the, especially the time that they've risen, Tiger's been a complete non-factor. So with him back, I don't think they have the same fear of it now going through that for kind of the first time this past week and i'm sure was a bit jarring hearing Mm -hmm. crowd noises you've never heard before and always having to be aware of what's going on you don't want a roar to happen in the middle of your backswing and that does have an effect on people but at the same time i just don't know if it it they've not been beaten by him and tiger treats them with such a different level of respect than he treated his competitors in his true prime that Mm. i know tiger said things along the lines of crediting the 2017 president's cup for essentially reviving his career i mean being around those guys and the support that he had from that team Mm -hmm. motivated him want to want to actually get back out on the golf course and how they all came out in shirts at in the team room one day that said like make tiger great again or something like that (laughs) and how much that meant to him and it's a miracle happened sometime in that time frame. I mean, this is shortly after, you know, he got he got a, a DUI last year and he had new yep. pictures leaked and he was rock bottom, like absolute rock bottom. And for him to have turned around and be had balls in the air and playing by December of last year and be competing this year, it's 
you can't you can't overstate it. You really can't. We talk about it every day, and it wouldn't fully put into perspective how miraculous this comeback is. Yeah, uh, Chris Miles and I were discussing where that comeback and where his personal narrative fits in kind of the pantheon of personal pro athlete stories. Uh, and I was tweeting about this yesterday, but I mean, I can't think of someone who, at least over the last decade, has had a more compelling personal narrative. I mean, if you take into account it, you'd have to take into account both personal life, you know, off the court or off the field, whatever sport they play, and on the court or on the field. I mean, the only people that come close, uh, some people were replying to me and saying LeBron. And, of course, you know, LeBron, sure, he, he went home. Now he's leaving home again, and he brought Cleveland a title. But a little different. I mean, just I, I don't see that as anywhere near in terms of the personal turmoil, the scandal, the attention, the gossip. Uh, in terms of just how interesting and significant, I mean, the only other athlete I would think of even is Colin Kaepernick. Um, in terms of kind of importance and, and how compelling. But I just think Tiger's had uh, a story over the last 10 years that no other pro athlete can match. And, and no other human, really. I mean, think about since what happened in 2009. And I, I don't know if you can go through maybe five more embarrassing things all out in the open than he did, <laughs> right. which is one. And some of it, again, he brought this on himself. Like He had these affairs, and, and sure. he... But having that all aired out in public is horrifically embarrassing. Well, the text messages, especially. Oh, I mean, no one will get, ever yeah. forget seeing those. The pic, the text messages, the voicemails, the divorce, going to sex rehab, having to ha- stand up and give a speech, admitting to everything that he'd done, go out there, face people. And Remember then, the press conference with his mother in the first row, like with oh, the weird man. blue well, curtain? I'll, I'll never like forget, crazy. actually, um, my first assignment for the Daily News this was 2009, and I was an intern. Was to go to Chelsea Piers here in New York and talk to golfers, you know, regular people who are members there, who were there, I guess, on a random Thursday in the middle of the day. It was like two o'clock on a Thursday, and they showed that apology press conference on a giant screen in the bar. And remember that Tiger didn't say anything for like a good what six weeks or something that felt really long. And I had to cover that press conference and basically just ask people, "What do you think?" And it was mostly it was the Daily News, so. It was pretty tabloidy, and it was mostly quotes from women saying, I don't forgive him. He's a dog, you know, but it was wild oh, how much but, I mean, things it, have changed. It gets even worse, too, and then the injuries happen, and then, you know, he comes out in, in 2015, and he couldn't chip the ball. He chipped it all over the place. He bladed chips. He chunked them. He shot 85 that year at the Memorial. He topped a three-wood into a bunker oh. at the U.S. Open, and he did that all out in the public, and then – what he gets nudes leaked he gets a dui and all of these things that happen just horrifically embarrassing things to come back from that and face the music and still be out in public and and his whole life is in public but to just face the music on all that and and again some of it's brought on brought on himself but man that's just what i can't think of somebody who's been through more in a public perspective than than somebody like he has and to come back and perform athletically it's it's a marvel really yeah, yeah. Uh, changing gears just slightly, just thinking about Tiger's impact. Um, you know, you guys started four years ago, a little over four years ago, um, just kind of talking about golf, which um, is something that, you know, we all know that golf is popular and all that, but it is a niche uh, sport. But now with Tiger's resurgence, what has the impact, I guess, just on your site, on your podcast, on your visibility been, and how have you felt like he's changed the golf media um, as much as you know, how how has that change, I guess, been over the last nine months? Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna start a golf, I guess, 
business of some kind or media business like we did, we, we could have chosen much of a worse time, which is 2014, <laughs> which is when he kind of went away from the game and it was just back forth, back forth. But to be honest, I felt like our we had a chance to kind of break into the market because so many people were still just so hung up on him. And we did feel there was like a budding interest in the young guys that were coming up that wasn't really being properly covered or talked about in a way that people actually talk about golf. So that's kind of where we made our specialty in talking you know, I mean, there was for all the golf media organizations, there are for some reason, none of the large and large ones that had large audiences. No one started a podcast. No one was talking about golf in a way just so that people could do on demand on their phone. And no one was talking directly to players for 45 minutes to an hour to really, you know, understand and learn from them. So that's kind of how we made made our break into the game. And then uh, and so we've kind of survived without this whole Tiger thing. But man, when he's back, like I said, at the top of the show, it's it's a vacuum. I mean, all of our, it's for good reason. And all of our energy gets turned to the big cat and it's just the, what we root for. And it's what we talk about. I mean, I've done maybe five podcasts this year where we just break down his performance for the weekend. It's tournaments. We wouldn't usually even bother doing some kind of wrap up podcast for, but it's so <laughs> compelling and so interesting. So it's, we're kind of learning how to handle this. I mean, we, and like I said, in the history of our, our business, he's never been successful. So how to kind of respond to all of the onslaught. I mean, I think you go back to the U.S. Open. I looked this up the other uh, yesterday. Uh, the, over the course of the whole week, or the weekend, Thursday through Sunday, we got about maybe six million impressions on Twitter. Just in total, we had we had six million impressions on Sunday alone this week. We had almost double the impressions for the week, and we had a spillover of about three million on Monday without even like sending out a tweet. That's how many people as people were still reading things and still going back and reliving what happened right. on Sunday, and that's kind of man. I mean. We're still kind of figuring out what to do with that information, honestly. And we just actually recorded a, like an emergency podcast yesterday where we actually sat down on our Trap Draw podcast feed where we sat down and went through everything Tiger's been through since 2009, listing out about 50 landmark things that happened all the way from his, his dogs getting double knee replacement surgery all the way up until the DUI and, and everything like that. So it was, it was a lot of fun to do, but it's just so many things happened. Like, man, I forgot about that. Charlie Reimer cried on the Golf Channel after Tiger Woods' yes. speech that he gave in 2010 responding to the sexual scandal. I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a mo- it's going to be like five movies alone. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, when you talk about the fascination level, uh, if we go back a little bit to golf's young guys, and it was interesting to me when you said earlier in the show that, you know, let's remember that golf has actually done well over the you know, few years before his comeback. I mean, it's all relative, right? Because uh, right. Miles and I often talk about how a lot of hype was made about the new young studs, you know, that all of a sudden the best guys were in their early 20s and they're compelling. And, and that should bring new young fans to the sport. Uh, you had not just Spieth, but Rory, Ricky, and he wears Oakley, and he wears bright colors and snapbacks and kids like that. And, it, you know, it, I, it felt now that Tiger's back, all of that looks in the rearview mirror a little bit like manufactured hype and kind of grasping at straws. I mean, I don't know if that's too harsh to say, but, you know, Spieth won two of the majors in 2015 and, and almost won a third. You know, he got second at, at the PGA Championship. And it's like that was this incredible year. And, yes, in that year you felt that. But right away, I just, boy, Tiger comes back, and it's you can't even compare it. I mean, Spieth is not at that level, doesn't have the the same pull uh, no, for casual fans. Yeah. No one will. Like, no one, literally no one ever will. Like, he is a superhuman player. And I actually think as much as he's adored and loved and this is all we talk about, 
his accomplishments are actually underrated still, I think. I mean, no one really – there's so many insane stats out there. I mean, like in 2008, before he hurt his knee, had broke his leg and had to have knee surgery and missed the whole rest of the year, he might have been at his peak. He played six events. He won four of them, finished second at the other and finished fifth at the other, then won the U.S. Open on a broken leg and then hung it up. And then he never won a major since then. He's never been the same player since then. But it was just – it was an absolute and complete joke. You don't win four out of six tournaments and and win a, win a major on a broken leg. And I think for golf fans, hardcore golf fans, what has happened while he was gone has been a very good thing, and it's been entertaining. It's been fun, and we've kind of tricked ourselves. I, I've never actually been part of the group that says that golf is going to grow a ton or that speed – if Tiger didn't bring you into the game – Jordan Spieth is not going to. He, right, Roy McIlroy right. is not going to. Like we've Color kind of maxed though. out. <laughs> <laughs> we've maxed out the reach of reaching casual fans, and I, there's so much grow the game hashtag grow the game all this stuff, yeah. and almost all of it is is complete and total nonsense. To be honest, I mean it's all some kind of self serving money maker for whoever kind of says these things, and mm-hmm. it kind of gives. I don't know. The PGA Tour is also just kind of trying to capitalize off of this engagement era and 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 trying to, you know, work as many animals as they can into tweets because that gets more engagement and all this stuff for all this data that's just overinflated. And none of it actually really helps you grow golf. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you're again, if Tiger didn't help you really grow golf to reach casual people and get people playing the game, it's not going to happen. So why do we keep like trying to do that? Why do we keep trying to tell people that? that is what's going to happen or what is happening. It's not the reality at all, and most people can see straight through that. Yeah, and I was thinking, um, so this weekend I actually hardly watched the telecast. I just watched the featured Tiger group on on the PGA website. And, you know, I started watching, oh. you know, PGA, I signed up for PGA Tour Live this year. I guess it was during the Valspar. It was like a Friday morning, and I was at work, and all people were doing was tweeting about Tiger. And it seems like... Uh, you know, I agree that the, the broad appeal of golf is kind of is what it is, right? You're going to have some country club people who watch it, and most people don't really care about it. But it does feel like the new golf media distribution style, you know, the PGA Tour Live style of focusing on one group and you really get a sense of why these guys are good. Um, maybe it doesn't make it a mainstream sport, but I think might in some to some extent like deepen people's connection with the sport, if that makes sense. I mean even as a 12 to 14 handicapper, I can now get a better sense of how pros actually play by watching those 18 holes. And I don't think that's going to be a huge grower of the game, but I think it might keep um, people who were sort of on the fence about becoming more hardcore, uh, more engaged with the sport. I, I completely agree. And that's where I think the focus of the PGA Tour should be. It should be on your fans that are going to be your most retained fans. I mean, broadcasting a tournament or whatever they're kind of simulcasting tournaments on Facebook recently. Mm-hmm. That's not who, who is scrolling through their Facebook feed and is like, Oh, I had no idea the golf was on today. I'm going <laughs> to sit I'm going to sit and watch this. Right. And I want to watch eight putts in a row. You know? Yeah. I don't need any context on how this sport works. Like this is quite, <laughs> this is glorious. Let's, let's sit and watch this. But you know what they get? They get an impression out of somebody scrolling that and that they can go sell to a sponsor and say, this is what we have going. But no, I think, I think I just get nervous kind of with, with the direction where a lot of things are going, where everything kind of seems cheapened. Everything just kind of seems like, 
common denominator and trying to reach this this fan that doesn't exist this new fan or this fan that gosh if we just showed them our product they would love it but man if you tune in to watch a telecast on a weekend you're getting the same old thing the average the median viewer the average viewer, i forget what the number is of a cbs broadcast is 62 years old <laughs> and so there's a reason for that is because one We've grown up like uh, people my age. I'm 32 years old. Have grown up and seen technology in an, like grow in an era that they I know things can be done better and differently than what we see on like network television. But network telecasters stuck in their own way and having these ant archaic and negotiated contracts that aren't changing in the well, they'll be changing in the in the coming years. But I, I'm curious as to how the broadcasts are actually going to change. But the product that they give a viewer isn't that great. It's it's run down with commercials. It's it's I'm the, one of the biggest golf fans on the planet. I'm in the top one percent when it comes to dedicating time and effort to golf. And I don't sit and watch a lot of PGA Tour events on the weekend during, especially during the yeah. summer. It's just not entertaining to me because, like you said, PGA Tour Live tells a much better story. It tell it shows you if Brooks Kepka is shooting 74 on a day, what's what that's like. And mm -hmm. if, if yeah. it's a weekend, which again, I'm not saying CBS needs to focus on a guy that's shooting 74 on the weekend, but, and their job is to tell the story of who's winning the tournament. And I get all that, but it doesn't, there's so much that just gets lost that, but with whoever's at the helm of choosing what goes on the TV, it's, it's a huge, huge responsibility. I wouldn't want it, but I think that they could do such a better job of, of telling that story than what they currently do. Right, you know, and, and playing off that, uh, doing a better job, I'm always careful to draw the distinction between talking about golf at the pro level, that is, people watching pro golf, following actual pro golfers, and then golf at the recreational level, like Miles is a golfer. You know, I'm, I'm the rare case where I love following golf, but I don't golf myself. Um, side note, I always point out it's, it's one of the few sports where people assume if you like watching it that you must play it. Like if you say I love the NBA, no one says, "Oh, so you play basketball? You any good?" Mm. They don't assume that. But if you say I love, you know, watching the Masters, they say, "Oh, and what's your handicap?" And it's like, "Well, I don't golf." And people think that's weird. Yeah. I, th I think the only other example is tennis, um, where most people who you know watch tennis probably play tennis. Uh, yeah, it's but, kind of a bond. Yeah. I mean, it's a bond amongst people just in golf, and mostly it, the bond is based on people wanting to tell their own stories. Like, oh, yeah. I've I've played Tory Pines. Right, yeah, right. I love that. It's like, talking, it's like talking about your fantasy team. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I was going to say, you know, it, it's been so interesting to me, without getting too political, and I don't I don't mean to sort of throw you a curveball here, but we have a president who owns eighteen golf courses. Uh, and actually, way back when Trump became the Republican nominee, before the general election, I participated in a roundtable for Golf Channel. You know, they flew me down to Orlando, and I was on with some of those guys. Um, you know, all, all good people over there. It's a, a well-run network. And we did, like, a, a roundtable discussion with five of us on what it means for the sport to potentially have a current American president who obviously is the most sort of connected president to golf we've ever had. I mean, I know past presidents have been golfers, avid golfers, but not like this, where they have a business tie and own courses. Uh, what has that meant, if anything, do you think, for the sport? Has it been a negative, a positive, no movement? I mean, people follow and track how often Trump himself is golfing at his courses, all that. Uh, it's difficult to say. I really, I definitely, I'm happy to answer the question, but I do try to distance myself from it. I don't really right. follow that news cycle too closely. I think kind of a false flag uh, has been, you know, the people that oppose Trump on a political perspective 
will you know continue to associate golf with him in a negative way and that's that's going to hurt golf and i think it's you know it's a rich guy sport it's blah 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 i think it'd be kind of disingenuous to imagine that golf is is not that i mean it is golf is not changing in that regard land values are not going to get cheaper it's not going to get cheaper to maintain golf courses it's not going to be cheaper to play the game as much as going back to our grow the game conversation golf is always going to be a game that is almost always played by the upper class that's just the way it's going to be so i do think people like to look at it and say that oh this is so bad for our game to have trump so associated with it and what he does with golf courses and how much he plays golf i'm like Guys, it's time to look in the mirror and see what yeah. golf is. Like this, this part, this is part of the ugly, the ugly side of golf that you know it's it's not really that honest to to ignore. But uh, I don't know. I think it, you know, if you're able to separate the politics from what he does with golf courses, a lot of people have in the industry have a lot of positive things to say about what he does. Yes. And he knows he knows a thing or two. I know that uh, the course that he built in Scotland is very controversial and very sensitive subject to the people in that area and kind of the way that that was done. Uh, has turned a lot of people off to his golf projects and whatnot. But a lot of people have also loved what he's done with Turnberry on the western coast of Scotland. And I've not had the chance to visit any of his properties in the United States. But I've been to both of those in Scotland. Uh, the Turnberry one especially is just magnificent. And uh, it, it is, it's very hard to separate. But I, I think overall it's hard to really determine what his impact on the game of golf has been 18 golf courses is a lot of them. And he is in a position of power and in a, in a way represents kind of what golf is, but 18 of how many, ever many thousands of golf courses there are. I, I wonder how big his impact on golf actually is. Yeah. yeah. I'll take your bait a little bit, Dan. I would just say like, uh, I, I think it's good that Tiger Woods is back so that we don't have to really think that hard about it because, right, right. Uh, because I mean, I think there's a lot of, uh, kind of forces like I remember going to the PGA at Baldestral in the summer of 2016 and it was you know obviously before the election and it's just you know obviously a sea of like wealthy like white people from New York and there was just like a lot of MAGA and Harambe stuff happening at the yeah. time and I just kind of remember walking away from that tournament like oh he's gonna he's probably gonna like win the election oh like, that's so <laughs> funny you said that I I was living in Europe at the time and I was telling, I lived in Amsterdam and told every Dutch person I know, like, guys, he's he's not going to win. Because they were freaking out about it over there. Like, guys, he's not, he's not going to win. And I went back for the Ryder Cup, which was oh, just yeah. about a month and in, in a month and a week, really, in front of the election, and saw that kind of crowd. I was like, God, he, yeah, he might win. Like, there yeah. is, this is a boisterous and... Uh, just a different vibe. <laughs> it was yeah. kind of like there's that there's that there's that gift that everyone likes to post of uh, a guy carrying a pizza box and he opens up. He's you know all cheery and excited coming back into a room and he opens the door and the room is on fire and he's shocked. That's kind of how I felt when I came back to the <laughs> states from Europe. I was like, guys, what? How long was I gone? What happened here? Yeah, it was it was. I I mean I can't you know I can't put my finger on it any more than like you know to your point, Solly. Like it's just like an energy that. I wasn't really, I mean, you know, I live in Manhattan. It's not like I was that far away from, you know, all these, like that that type of suburban uh, kind of energy. But, like, it was just something very bizarre. And uh, so, to go back to the point, I mean, I just think now that it's a tiger, now that it's the tiger discussion again, we don't really have to spend time worrying about what does it mean that Trump tweeted positively at Brooks Kepka. Right, like, right. D- does it matter if Brooks Kepka has played golf with Donald Trump? None of these questions necessarily matter because we can just kind of continue to deflect and discuss Tiger, which is, of course, you know, more fun. 
Well, what's and I'll, funny I'll is put that a, yeah. sorry that Tiger Tiger played golf with Trump. He did, yeah, in yeah. December of 2016 when he was elected but not yet uh, uh, inaugurated. Did he play with them too? It's well, it's kind of yeah. slid off the radar that Tiger played with them. Or he didn't get real. He did not get roasted for it, as far as I could tell. Right. Rory plays with them in February of 2017 and got roasted for yep. it, mostly by the UK and Irish media, but. He got absolutely roasted for it. So I just find it the, the different perspective on how those two guys got treated for playing with with Trump was very interesting. Well, look, and to put a cap on on this part of the chat, I mean, as you said, Chris, I think people forget that completely separate from politics, most of these pro golfers like him, and they like him because of what he has done for the sport and what he has done with the courses. You know, some of them distressed assets that he bought up and, and cleaned up and made pretty. Um, you know, when he was running, we talked to a bunch of different golfers, and they all had good things to say. Uh, Jim Furyk, we talked to Pat Perez, and they all, you know, they were not eager to talk about the political side of it, but they all said that, you know, in terms of his stature in golf, he's well-liked. So, not eager to talk yeah. about the political side, but even, I'm not even sure how much you needed that qualifier of, right. you know, putting politics aside. A lot of, I mean, it's a mostly Trump locker room yes. on the oh, PGA definitely. Tour, yes. definitely, and that's... Um, but it, it's funny you said that. I mean, I've talked to, to players that about Trump, and they'll say, "Man, you would like you would enjoy his company." I mean, like, would I vote for him? Like, oh, absolutely not. But man, like you, he, he's like a fun guy to hang around. You'd enjoy co- talking to him and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, for, for whatever that, for whatever yeah. that's worth, yeah. Well, exactly. and, I, and I think, but I think that kind of speaks to like the um, the privilege, you know, that privileged aspect of the game, right? Like all of the really negative things about him being the president. That like then like a negative energies right that have been brought out in the country are things that people who play golf both recreationally and professionally are insulated from because it's mostly white guys and if you're a white guy in Trump's America you can go around and tell yourself that you know everything's fine because none of the bad things that are happening are happening to you um, and so that's again like a, a nice thing that the golf world is probably uh, happy to not have to talk about uh, if they don't have to because. You know, for my money, it's kind of a truth. But, you know, now we're kind of going, you know, afield with the, <laughs> with the, with the political thing. So, uh, Chris, I, I want to ask you this, and maybe this contradicts everything we were talking about, where we all agree that none of the exciting young guys matter that much uh, outside of big golf fans. But I'd ask uh, if you have any kind of dark horse slash sleeper picks in terms of, you know, two or three of your favorite uh, current under-the-radar guys. I mean, I guess... The ones who are doing well probably aren't very under the radar. Like, you know, I'm a big Jason Day fan. I mean, he's obviously not under the radar, although he hasn't had any big wins in a while. He sort of has gone cold. Is it mm-hmm. unfair, Miles? Or well, I mean, the question is, do PGA Tour wins matter? I mean, well, I, sure. I, but well, I mean, well, he's no, won twice. No. This, he's won right. twice this year. Right? No, so. they don't. No, I, I would okay. say I would say only only majors matter. Okay, fine. Uh, t- to a casual fan, but yeah, Chris, I don't know if there are a few guys that that you like that you think aren't aren't talked about enough. Well, it's a shame that you didn't have me on three years ago when I was just pounding furiously at my keyboard at the lack of coverage that Brooks Kepka was getting on the <laughs> national stage and how he was bypassed for a captain's pick at the President's Cup in 2015, even though he's the 12th-ranked player in the world or 13th-ranked player of the world, whatever it was. I actually went back and dug that up this week because everyone's like, oh, why does Brooks get no respect? I'm like, wait a second, guys. This is, <laughs> this is not a new thing. And so. Right. Uh, two guys that uh, the first two guys that came to mind, and I don't know how how qual- you know where the under the radar kind of thing qualifies, but uh, a guy that's taken a similar path towards the PGA Tour as Brooks Kepka did, which is playing on the European Tour rather than playing the Web Tour, is a guy named Julian Surrey, who is uh, I think approaching the top fifty in the world now. 
He he won in Denmark last year on the European Tour. He's an American guy. He lives here in Jack, so I'm a bit biased. And mm. uh, he we played a couple times out here, and he just whoops hey. my ass on the golf course. But <laughs> as you might imagine, he's actually really stingy giving out strokes. But um, he is a really talented player. Finished in the top 20 this past week at the PGA, and had wow. he had a, he shot even part of the last round. He was in the top 10, I think, heading into the final round, and had a really good chance for a, a good finish. I'm sure he was probably a bit disappointed with the uh, with his Sunday. But he definitely uh, he, qualifies for under the radar. Every, by the way, because well, I I don't know him. I mean, I'm was, not an expert, but I watch. All the majors every year, and I've never heard of him. He was on telecast like maybe three times, and every time they said, "Here's a guy who was outside the 1,000 in the world last year, and now he's in the top 60." All right. So. Well, again, the telecast—that's a different story. <laughs> they can do a lot better job investigating these kind of guys instead of acting yeah. like who are they when they play. Right. Yes, the yes. Yeah. Uh, second guy is a guy who I've I've actually been friends with for you know maybe about six years or so is uh, Kyle Stanley, who emerged onto the scene. In his young 20s, and one, he had a disastrous collapse at, in 2012 at the at the Farmers Insurance Open, and then came back and won the next week at Waste Management. Since then, basically hit the bottom of the well when it came to his golf game. He recorded maybe one of the worst putting, I think the worst putting season in the history of since strokes gained putting has been measured. Went back to the Web Tour and completely rebuilt his game up. Is now a top 20. I think he's been a 28th ranked player in the world now. Finished second uh, at Firestone. Um, a couple weeks ago bef- prior to the PGA Championship, and is just a guy who's completely rediscovered himself. He's, he's, he's going to miss out on a captain's pick, I think, for the Ryder Cup, but it's knocking down the door for one of those last spots uh, on the team. And just an incredible ball striker who's figured out putting and has his best putting season that I think has several PGA Tour wins still ahead of him. I'm not sure he's going to ever fully break through, but it would not surprise me to snag him for, the, for him to snag a major in the coming years. Yeah, those are two good ones, Miles. Yeah. Well, now, um, can kind of in the context of the season, ha- has Phil become the forgotten man of the 2018 <laughs> PGA Tour season? Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, from a golf performance standpoint, on the back half, yes, but he also recorded maybe one of the greatest <laughs> golf commercials ever. So, right. I mean, yeah. right. And in no, one hard, way, to, hard to say he's him. been forgotten, but I, I see what you're saying. My, my answer for the question I asked is Tony Finau. Um, and I, but I see, think he, could, he could be more exciting to people. And I mean, he's I know like you, you have to without win. the major wins, though. It's kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. It's but a what, good guy who's in your really guys' good. opinion. In your guys' opinion, yeah. what what makes a golfer interesting? So, I think, um, well, no, I'm kind of biting a point that you guys made like two days ago or whatever, which is that when you hear Spieth, I mean, I, Spieth's my favorite golfer, right? And you know, the conversation uh, on 13 at Augusta and just every time, you know, I watched his group the first two days this past week. And, you know, he's just kind of like he's he's kind of m- complaining about everything and he's like kind of yelling at Greller. But like he's slow. Yeah. yeah and, but he's just interesting. Right. He's just like interesting to watch in golf as a golfer. Right. right. And it's very tiger like. Not in the otherwise. Sense, OK, but. It's very interesting that I think he's tiger-like in the sense that he misses a lot of fairways and he has to scramble a lot, and those are the shots that are the most amazing. No yeah, one is. I, agree. I mean, Kepka hitting the ball 360 yards is like pretty amazing, but seeing Jordan Spieth get out of trouble and make birdie, kind of the way that Tiger was doing it this weekend, is very compelling. So for me, Spieth is interesting as a golfer because of his style of play. But I don't how know about Bubba? Uh, I, li- I like guys who <laughs> rub the other guys the wrong okay. way. I like Sergio. So, like Patrick Reed? So you, sure. You like the villains? Sure, although even I don't like Patrick Reed. <laughs> but 
See, that's yeah. that's kind of what I'm getting at is that we've had three American, the three three of the majors this year went to Americans that are aged 28 and younger. And if you ask like the average American golf fan, they're like, oh yeah, I don't like Patrick Reed or yeah, Brooks Kepka doesn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. It's like guys, we've been clamoring for like the young and up and coming American players. They're here. And why aren't we more intrigued by it? I mean, it's a fair question. I see where it comes from. I'm not like through the roof ecstatic. I am for Reed from a content standpoint because he is just the best from a content standpoint. I mean, I cannot wait to see what he's got in store for the Ryder Cup coming up. But yeah, for a lot of people, Kepka doesn't do it. And it's because nothing matters but Tiger as much as it (laughs) hurts to say. and, And with Tiger, it was a perfect storm, right? I mean, black. Uh, his dad and what happened there in terms of like being groomed from age something insane, right? Age and, zero. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and the relationship with his dad, uh, and then how walled off he was. I mean, it's it's like three levels deep in terms of inside media baseball, but the way that Mark Steinberg uh, kept him behind a wall from all media. I mean, it was so it, it made it more mysterious and it was enraging and aggravating. And then looking back, people give the criticism that it was all kind of fake and that it was they weren't letting his actual who he was come out and that it was a manufactured persona but i mean it worked he had the family image and you know a lot of that image was was not the truth but to me it was like a perfect storm of all these different factors and there's just no one today who has all those things and but it's a fool's errand i mean we do it i just did it but like it's it's foolish to compare anyone to him it's yeah. a Right. Everybody else should be compared to each other in any way, and he's just his own category. It probably can't even compare other athletes in other sports because there's no one that means more to their sport, maybe in the history of sports, at least in my lifetime, uh, that has ever meant more to a sport than Tiger has. It's a good place to end, Chris, but uh, let's let's push you on this to, to wrap up. Think he wins another major? I do. I do. Oh, the, maybe the worst qualifier ever. If he stays healthy, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's legitimately the only question. If he is healthy and plays for five, eight more years in majors after what we saw at the open and the PGA, I don't see any way he doesn't win at least one. And totally. I always go back to, and I've held on to this for so long. I was never fully in the Tiger Woods is done camp, but like I did not think he would ever come back. And that, Phil Mickelson did an interview. I think it was with Alan Shipnuck at golf.com once. And, and uh, Alan just asked him, you know, will Tiger win again? And Phil's convincing nature in which he said, oh, yeah. Oh, like definitely. <laughs> that told me so much. Like how can – who else would know better than somebody that's performed as close to Tiger in this generation as anybody has? Not, not very close, but as close to fully know the ability of that person – to just so convincingly say, oh, yeah, like, oh, he definitely will. So th- I've held on to that, like, from a Tiger fan standpoint for so long, and I, and I feel like that's coming to fruition. Like, he has to win unless he gets hurt yeah. again, which is obviously a possibility. If he stays healthy, he is going to win probably a lot more. So who wins first, Tiger or Ricky? <laughs> oh. Ooh. All right, Ooh. fine, 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 fine. You can cut that one. No, I, I just, I, you, you I, got I, it. I'm no, not cutting it. Right. I like it. Right. Um, I'll say Tiger. I'll say it. Yeah. I'll go on record. Tiger. Yeah. There it is. And, and I think one more, too. I mean, definitely not four more, but one more. But even though we think one more, Miles and I were saying, ah, it's too bad it couldn't have been this past weekend because to come that close, it's like, ah. We got to wait, like, what did you guys <laughs> say the other day? It's been it, 200 man. and something days until the Masters, right? It's like yeah. just interminable. It's an hey, entire and football and, season. And we got that new major schedule uh, next year. Yeah. So that's cool. 
uh, yeah. all done. Uh, One of my nice wait it out, clean. but I think he'll win a playoff event. I really do. Um, he's just mm. he's trending so so well in the right direction, and it's time. And I think he's going to play well in the Ryder Cup, and uh, and we can all just go nuts all over again. We'll be looking forward to it. Thanks for coming on, Chris. You bet. Anytime. Okay, that was Chris Solomon of the No Laying Up podcast, and that was, as always, our friend, Miles Udland. Thanks, Miles. Thanks. Uh, listeners, we love hearing from you. We want to hear what you think of Tiger. Uh, are you in the camp of my loyal commenters who say, washed up, overrated, although I don't know how there are people saying that after the PGA Championship. Uh, it was amazing. So uh, we will probably be golf light for the next, what, miles, like eight months, which well, is a shame. If Tiger wins a playoff event, we'll be back. Right, we'll be back. Oh, yeah, okay, so we have a little bit more time. Although, as a, I guess, one level above casual fan, I really don't care about anything but the majors, i got to be honest. I know there's, like, Ryder Cup, sure. Yeah, I know there's uh, the FedEx, know. and, yeah. So we'll see. I don't want to talk about the NFL, though. Uh, get ready. No. Get ready. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Sportsbook Podcast. We're on every platform. We come out on Thursday mornings. Thank you. Bye. Bye.